Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturer of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. So welcome to another episode of Knife Talk. Now today we've got another US-based knife maker. Welcome to the show, Steve Pellegrino from Pellegrino Cutlery. Hi, Craig. Great to be here. Good. I'm really glad to be speaking with you. I mean, I've been looking at your work for some time now, and I'm always just really impressed. So really glad that you're here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, so let's start talking about your style. What, what sort of style of knives do you make? Um, I make strictly culinary knives these days. Uh, I used to make some everyday carry models. I did a few folders, uh, a few small fixed blades. But um, right now, I'm, I'm sort of liking kitchen knives. Yeah. And what's the decision on that? Why, why just kitchen knives? Well, I cook far more than I might use like a hunting blade, and I like to test my own work. So uh, it's sort of a natural progression for me. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same with me. I only do kitchen knives now, and for pretty much the same reason, too. But I know there in the U.S., you do have a lot of, um, you know, knife carriers, don't you? People who just carry a knife day to day as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure the laws vary quite a bit uh, from state to state. I'm personally in Philadelphia, and I know that the laws are a bit stricter in any big city, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so kitchen knife specifically, do you have any signature styles, like a, like a Western chef knife or maybe something Japanese-influenced? Um, I'm always careful with Japanese influence. Um, you know, I like to kind of – I consider that to be very pure, and I don't like to – do too much of that myself. A little bit, you know, I'm inspired by their design, certainly. Mm. Um, I like to do, I do a lot of uh, like French drop points. I do some Western inspire, inspired gyodos, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And so how long have you been making knives? Uh, really not long. Uh, only about three years. And I would say the last year of that has been full time. Right. Okay. Okay. And have you seen your sort of style change much throughout that time? Have you? Is it? I mean, what personally, what I found was, you know, those first few knives that I did, they were they were pretty terrible, but I thought they were amazing. Um, but you oh. know, over time, you, you know, your skill level just grows so much. And I found that probably around about the three years, that that was when things really clicked, and I had things that I was very happy with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the craft just gets better. You know, mm. uh, every time I put a, I make a new bolster and I uh, put one on, I, you know, I get a little bit better at it. It gets a little tighter and I'm always slightly more pleased. Uh, but I always find something wrong with it. I'm extremely self-critical. Mm-hmm. And I, I've just been looking at your knives, actually, and some of those bolsters are amazing. So they sort of bridge the gap, don't they, between an integral knife and a, and, you know, just a, a normal sort of standard full tang knife, I suppose. They They look beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I like it really as um, really it, it's a great weight for one thing. I do really thick, like three eighths inch thick um, bronze bolsters in a, in a lot of my newer stuff, mm. and um, it really does add a nice weight right where you want it, right with the uh, in the center of the pinch grip, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very, very nice. So, I mean, are they, are they all sort of reductive? Is it all via stock removal, or do you forge blades too? What's your preferred way of working? Largely stock removal. Um, I'm I'm no blacksmith by any stretch of the imagination, so uh, I really only use forging as a means to get to the billet I want, and mm. then I'll do stock removal from there. Right, right. Okay, that's cool. I mean, it's something that I really want to get into, but it's just, again, it's just another big shopping list, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Uh, always. It'll never end. <laughs> so you mentioned that this is a, a full-time job for you. So wh- where are you finding your customers? Who are your usual customers? 
Um, well, you know, like a lot of us, uh, I find a remarkable amount of business on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I sort of, you know, you, you couldn't really ask for a better platform because it's free and it's very social. You can really contact a lot of people you know, or reach a lot of a big audience all at once. Yes. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on Instagram TV, which they launched this week? I know nothing about it. I just noticed that a new icon appeared, um, but I haven't tried it out yet. Yes. I think it's going to be interesting. So I think it's, they're obviously going for the sort of the YouTube market. Um, but, but the, you know, everything needs to be shot on the phone. So it's still all in portrait mode. Um, which... can you can you cut material together as well can you can you cut footage you you can yes so i mean it, it, oh, wow. it, it can be done on a, on a professional camera but you know the res the the ratio rather is always going to be portrait mode once it's hosted um but, uh, i see but i was just looking at you alex Steele did one yesterday and he put up a sign halfway through saying please turn your phone over now so it goes back to that sort of standard landscape view uh, which is quite interesting to see so it's it's going to be really it's interesting to see how people are using this this Instagram TV, I think, over time. Yeah, I've, I'm just learning about it now. I'll have to have a look. Hmm, hmm. Well, I mean, you've made some beautiful YouTube videos too, haven't you? You know, showing off some of those stunning knives. So do you find that that has an impact on orders as well? I think it definitely informs what I do a lot more, uh, especially if someone doesn't quite understand it. And a lot of what I've done, especially my latest video, is very process-based, and I talk a lot. Hmm. Um, some people like that, others don't. But I've gotten really great messages from people that said, oh, I saw your video, and I actually used it as information to make a knife. And that's extremely rewarding. That's amazing, yeah. That's very, yeah. very nice, yeah. So, so I've noticed actually in well, not just in your videos, but in um, Jimmy Zaresta's videos lately, you've you've been spending some time with him. So, what was all that about? Uh, well, so Jimmy uh, is an old friend. He was my professor actually when I went to the School of Visual Arts. Oh, oh. and we sort of kept in touch over the years. And uh, lately, he noticed that I was making knives and asked if I would come up to sort of give him a few tips and work with him on making a few. And um, I, we had a great time. It went really well. Hmm, it looked like you were really having fun there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so why knives then? What is it that you love about making knives? Um, there's a lot of things, honestly. Um, one of the things I like about it most, I have a background in prop and set design, and I used to build these massive things that were, you know, made out of wiggle board and, uh, you know, plaster, and they'd be just huge jobs just to move these around they'd be on a stage for two weeks and they'd get thrown in a dumpster on the west side <laughs> uh and it was just always frustrating because you know i worked really hard on these things and essentially they have a very limited life so i think i moved to knives mainly for the scale i really enjoy working on a small tool that's coveted that's taken well you know very good care of and you know will last a lifetime yeah and i'm real utility too isn't it something that you know people need to use Absolutely. Every day. Yeah. So, so, so how did that start? So you, you're making these, these beautiful sets. How did, how did that change happen to, you know, one day thinking, oh, I, I think I'll make a knife? Well, so there was a transition uh, in my life, I suppose you could say. And I uh, had a business that I closed and I moved to Portland, Oregon from where I was, which was New Jersey at the time. Hmm. And there I took a short apprenticeship on um, making straight razors. Uh, this was at Portland Razor Company. Hmm. And um, 
I guess I kind of got the bug, and I I, I tried a uh, I tried a knife uh, out of a file and ruined it completely, <laughs> and threw it in the trash. But for some reason, uh, despite what is a very discouraging start, I just had to try it again. Yeah, but I mean, you mentioned the bug, and it, it certainly is. It's a sickness, isn't it? You, once you make that first knife, you know you can make it better, so you want to try that second knife, and you think oh, I can make this better again, and it just progresses from there. Yeah, it's just a great insanity. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and there's such such a culture around it these days as well. I mean, you mentioned Instagram with some of the amazing makers on Instagram, but you know, there's TV shows and it's all over YouTube. It's 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 no longer something that, you know, a very few people do as far as I can see. You know, I I I hear more and more people getting into it. Yeah, that's right. And I think that the more accessible food culture is, the more um, available it is for anyone to find on YouTube or Instagram um, in, a, in a way that feeds the knife business as well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to speak to to many sort of knife makers on this show. And, and, and I particularly enjoy speaking to those who make, you know, kitchen tools. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's never a coincidence that they all love cooking too. And, you know, you've already said that you love cooking. But um, I, I wonder, yep. you know, if, if, if those that are making maybe hunting knives, whether they're all hunters or, you know, whether, whether did the cooking come first, then the knives, or was it knives got you into cooking? I, I suppose that's the question. Yeah, that's, that is a good question, actually. Um, I think it's different for everyone. For me, I've always built things. Hmm. And I, for some reason, the combination of art and science and form and, and design that really goes into a knife. It's, it's all sort of the perfect quantity for me. And it's just, it feels like a great fit. Hmm. So, so you have a, a design background then you say? Yeah, I attended the school of visual arts right. uh, in New York and graduated as a, with a bachelor's in graphic design and, you know, quickly became uh, dissatisfied with my choice of career because there's really only a few veins uh, that a graphic designer can go down these days, really, mm. unless you have your own style and you open your own studio and all this sort of thing. Yeah, and so I moved into fabrication. I think from there it was not a big stretch because I already knew how to weld and I understand the basics of metal, but really the metallurgy was the biggest hurdle for me. Hmm. Okay. And so who did you learn from? Is it, is it just a case of getting books and YouTube? You know, did you have a mentor in those days? Not as such. Um, I mean, I had uh, some instruction, as I said, with Portland Razor Company, but yeah. that was only so far as, uh, you know, basic metallurgy, you know, 01 tool seal. You know, I've, I've sort of learned a lot more on my own, done a lot of research, started doing more sophisticated heat treats. I have an oven now, which is great. Uh, I don't know how I lived without it. And <laughs> um, I just keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, talking about metallurgy, what, what's your favorite steel to work with? Do you Do you have a a standard steel that you work with across the board, or do you tend to pick a steel for a specific purpose? I jump around. Um, with kitchen knives, I feel that as long as you know how to heat treat even 1095 properly, hmm. you'll get just as much performance out of it as anything else. Um, I love 1095. I've discovered how difficult it really is and how many you know, um, beginners might try it and have difficulty themselves. Hmm. Um, I also use a lot of... Te- um, excuse me, 52100. Um, I'm just getting into stainless doing 440C and CPM 154 and these. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I, I was talking to, to Jeff, Jeff Fader, just a few weeks ago about um, customers wanting either a, you know, a high carbon blade or a stainless blade. 
Um, it was quite interesting, actually. That I mean, he's based in the states as well, and he said that most right. of, most of his knives are are stainless. Whereas here in Europe, I'm finding the complete opposite. Most people are wanting a carbon knife. So, you know, are you finding any sort of trends with your customers at all? Um, I would say most most of the chefs I've spoken to prefer high carbon because hmm. you know they're they're used to the maintenance, so it's a non-issue for them. And I mean, I found the same. It's just extremely so. It's just so much sharper. You know, I mean, I, I've seen great stainless knives. I'm sure that you can get similar, if not better, hardness out of stainless. But for some reason, they all gravitate towards the high carbon. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is, you know, which is great because I personally, you know, love working with carbon steels anyway. Um, oh, but, me too. But yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's not quite as difficult to heat treat, which I think is quite important. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I found that, the patina is really sort of um, it's it's one of those things that you maintain over the lifetime, and it 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 kind of becomes beautiful, you know, that it mm. almost turns into art over a time. Because I've noticed also, I use some copper bolsters, and copper patinas very quickly and really very nicely mm. if you take care of it. So I, I kind of like that idea. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, and I suppose it's that thing of you know having a bespoke knife that becomes more bespoke to you as well, isn't it? Over time. Right. Your knife may look like someone else's, but it won't be because that's your patina that that was the life it lived with you, you know, and I think that's an extremely personal thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so what's the next challenge? What what are you really keen to learn next? Um, there's a, there's a little bit more I want to do with stainless. I don't feel like I've quite hit my stride with it yet. I've only done a few bars. Um, you know, I'd like to try some more exotic steels just because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the science of it as well. Hmm. Um, I'd like to start working with super gold too, which I know nothing about at all. Uh, but I've seen a lot of the, um, Australian knife makers, some of which I think you've had on here. They just do brilliant work with super gold too. Right. Yeah. Uh, tri, tri stone blades, uh, off the top of my head. I, I, I've seen his work and it's just breathtaking. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, going back to Instagram, Instagram again, it's great, isn't it? Just to be able to be influenced by so many great makers out there who share their work. And it's just, you know, you can always just, oh, sit, there, you can always just sit there, spend 10 minutes flicking through and just come away inspired again. Yeah. And it, it just fuels me to get back out into the shop and to, to try something new, you know. Hmm. So, so how do you feel about sharing your work? Do you, do you exhibit your work at any shows at all? Well, I'm happy to share my work uh, as well as my failures, you know, because <laughs> I feel as though uh, that's what we all can learn from the most. Um, I haven't been in any exhibitions because I tread very carefully around the idea that my knives are art. You know, mm. I don't necessarily agree with that. A lot of people say that to me and it's very kind. But, you know, these are craft pieces. They're tools mm. and they're meant to be used. And I think it's always been highly, hotly contested that uh, anything with a function can't necessarily be art. So uh, in that vein, no, I haven't been in any exhibitions. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So talk us through your process. Is is everything done in-house? Everything is done in-house by me. Uh, it's a very small house, as it happens. It's just <laughs> a one-car garage. Hmm. And, um, you know, I it's it's really all I need. Um, if I expand it, it would only because, be because I need more tools. You know, I'd like to get a power hammer in the future and a mill and all this. Yes, yeah. Now, who doesn't yeah. need more tools, eh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what about your, your logos? I've been, I'm just looking at your knives here. So are they marked, yes. etched, or stamped? Or, you know, what, what are you using to create that logo there? 
I started off with a hot stamp, uh, a touch mark made by Buckeye Engraving. And yeah, it it, it served me very well. But one of the biggest issues I had um, was getting a very consistent mark because of the nature of my logo. Um, it was probably on the harder side to hot stamp because there's a lot of broad surface. It wasn't a very sharp edge. Yeah. That was, you know. Um, and then recently I moved into etching. I got an electro etch machine and I I love it. Which do you, which know, do you have? At, which which machine do you I, have? Um, it's the standard electro marker or something or other. You know, it's the little black box that uh, we the, all probably have a similar one. The personalizer? Is that the one? Uh, yeah, yeah, the personalized. Ah, that's right. right. Well, that's what I'm hoping to get very soon. So, I mean, it was a very much a loaded question because it's something that <laughs> I'm not happy with my logos at the moment. So I'm using a, I'm etching, I'm using an etchomatic, which is, you know, it's pretty basic. So I'm just wondering what people are using as the next step up. Um, and I've spoken, to yeah. a few, I've spoken to a few people this week who are using the personalizer or the personalizer plus, and they're having very, very solid results consistently. So, So I think that's the way to go for me, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I really like the unit. Um, I found it fairly reasonably priced. I've also seen them elsewhere very unreasonably priced, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider that the components aren't that complicated. It's just proprietary because, you know, it's you either either that or you have to go build your own. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've um, seen people using battery chargers and all sorts of things, you know. It, it's, oh, it's, yeah. It's basically the same thing. A battery charger in salt water is really the basic uh, premise there. Yes, yeah. But you're happy with your personalizer. Oh, very happy. It's it's That's just easier. That's yeah, good to know. Yeah. That's another Amazon purchase later for today, then, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about one of our sponsors, Tormac. To get great razor-sharp and repeatable edges, you're going to need a Tormac. To find out more, go to Tormac.com, which is T-O-R-M-E-K.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. So what what is your sharpening process? So I sharpen everything on Japanese water stones because that's sort of how I learned. Hmm. And I really, I mean, it's a craft in and of itself. Sharpening on water stones, I could devote my whole life just to that. Hmm. Um, It's just endlessly, you know, I'm always learning something new. Uh, But I prefer them for the control and for the edge polish, which I really like. Um, I typically will start um, off belts. Um, you know, I get my edge to thickness and then I'll go directly to like an Atoma 140 and then it'll set the bevel on that, Hmm. which cuts very fast and very easily, evenly. I love the Atoma. Um, and then from there I'll go maybe 400 grit stone all the way through 12,000. Wow. And those are all, those are all synthetics. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. 12,000 grit. That's yes. That's pretty fine. Pretty fine. Yeah, sometimes I'll you know maybe I'll I'll stop at eight if it's not a uh, like a super fine like honed kitchen knife you know if it's more of like an everyday use knife the high polish edges you know it's not appropriate for everything. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. that's cool. I'm learning something every day. I mean, that's why I do this show just so I can I can drill people with questions and learn more. <laughs> I would if you if I were you as well because <laughs> so, honestly I'm I'm really honored to be here because the lineup before me is just I mean masters of the craft if you ask me i mean bob kramer you know uh, unbelievable yeah I've, I've been very lucky with the guests that we have and and that seems to be continuing so i'm just very happy so mm-hmm. so let's finish with the same question that i ask everybody on the show which is whose work are you loving at the moment oh boy i mean there's there's a few really amazing guys out there um and i and i say guys 
you know, I kind of wish I saw more um, women in the industry. You know, I, I, you asked me this question, and I can't think of a single female uh, knife maker other than um, uh, Jill um, Hasenberg. I'm, I could be butchering that. She's originally from Holland. Uh, she lives in Ireland and makes unbelievable work. Wow. Um, I would highly recommend you looking at her work. Um, also, Oatly Knives from Sydney. Hmm. He was, he's probably one of my earliest influences along with Bob Kramer. He does very strictly stainless uh, or um, I would say Sanmai sushi knives, and they're just stunning. Mm, very nice, very nice. Yeah. But, I mean, you mentioned females, and that is a bit of a problem. There's, there's not many. Yes, absolutely. Not many in the industry. So, uh, you know, I've had a few on the show, and I'm often doing shout-outs. You know, anybody can, can you recommend um, a female that you know we could have on the show, and and those that are recommended are generally way too busy. <laughs> They've got so much work on. So you know that's we, fantastic. We need more females in 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 this business making knives. Yeah. and you know there's there's certainly it sounds strange to say there's a demand for work from females, but I'm, I'm sure that's not that's not the case. Um, but most of the females that I've spoken with are very very busy with orders. So oh, certainly, you know that that. <laughs> The work is out there for people, well, you know, male, female, there's definitely the work out there, even though we hear about more and more people joining, joining this business all of the time. There's definitely the work out there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's another reason, you know, for whatever it is that I've learned over my time making knives, I'm always happy to share. I'll never hide a tip or, you know, a, a piece of information about heat treat because it's just we all learn from one another. And I think uh, the more people doing it, the better. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's just ask one more question. So, is is there one piece of advice that you've been given, which, 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 which you use every day, which is something that you sort of live by? Uh, yeah, actually, my grandfather um, once said to me, "You have to know everything about something and something about everything," and that's always <laughs> served me really well. I think that's a great way to finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve, and hopefully we speak again soon. My pleasure, Craig. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.